us. I'm going to invite your attention to the word of the Lord. We're going to read from the book of Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And I'm going to read a few verses of scripture. And now I want to tell you something. For the last, I give a little bit of a disclaimer every year. Because it's been, I think, I think it's been 11 years this uh, year. It's been 11 years since we first started this uh, tradition, and it didn't, it didn't start out as a tradition, but it became a tradition, and, um, and I, uh, it's a long story, and someday I'll, I'll share it with you, but it just became something that we started doing, and uh, this year, there's a, there's a bittersweetness to it because we were so close. Now, y'all, I thought I had prayed all this bitterness out of my spirit before I got up here, so you'll trust you'll bear with me. But we were so close. And I promise you that this passage has something to do with what we're going to be preaching about. We're going to be talking a little bit, making a few references to the big sporting event that's happening across our land today. And we're going to draw some spiritual parallels from Genesis chapter 50. And before we begin reading, I do want to give special acknowledgement to Brother Zach and Sister Anna Glasgow. They were elected sectional youth director. Amen. God bless them. Sectional youth director over the southwest region of Ohio District Youth. That's from Cincinnati up past Dayton and into Piqua and Troy. And, and uh, God is good. And they're going to do such a great job. And we're thankful for that. We give them honor today. Amen. From Genesis chapter 50, and I want to, uh, I want to begin reading at the 16th verse. And it says this, They sent a messenger unto Joseph... We're actually going to start at verse 15. When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure, peradventure is an old English word for he's probably going to, hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father died or did command before he died saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Notice this, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, and I want us to concentrate on these next couple of verses, as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. What a beautiful story that is. And I want to speak to you on, on this subject, the most important story of the season. The most important story of the season. Could we lift up our voices and ask God to bless this time we're spending in his word and fellowship. God, I thank you for every individual that has gathered into this place. I thank you 
for the lives that are represented here. And I pray that the blessing of the Lord would be upon the preaching of your word. Help us to draw close to you through your word. Help us, Lord, to be what you've called us to be. Every soul that needs the Holy Ghost, God, we pray you'll fill them with the Holy Ghost. Every soul that needs to have their sins washed away, I pray today they'll be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Every healing and every every heart mending, I pray that it shall be done. And let your word go forth, O God, to accomplish all that you intend to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. So I, I, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the season. I probably won't be talking as much about the actual Super Bowl. And part of that is because I, I have some feelings I'm working through, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't want to just come up here and put all that on all you all. And you came here to hear an edifying word. And I'll probably go into complaining about referees and all of that good stuff. And... Thank you. I'm glad we've got a witness in the house. I'm glad we've got a witness in the house. So I don't, you know, you know, there's somewhat and sometimes a little underlying what some might call a prediction in these sermons. And um, so I don't know if we'll get that or not today. But uh, just to kind of start us off here, a little scripture that comes to mind, I'll share with you for your consideration, minus a prediction. If it comes to pass, it was prophecy. If it doesn't come to pass, well, it was just me kind of, you know, joking around a little bit. But Isaiah 40 and verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just something for your consideration, just a little... 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Everybody say sinners. Sinners of whom I am chief. Everybody say chief. Yeah, chief sinners. Yes. Just, 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 I don't know why. Just a little something. Just a little something I felt in my spirit today. Thought I'd share that. But you know, in all honesty, I'm so objective. I'm so fair-minded and unbiased and can, can view this with, with uh, the ability to, 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 you know, have a fair and reasonable assessment of, of what all took place here recently. So when the, you know, when the Eagles and the Cheats played, a uh, Chiefs, Chiefs, wow. Purely unintentional, purely and completely unintentional. The chief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Wait, hold on, wait a minute. Wow, this is going off the rails right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. But you know, uh, this, was a, this was a hard one for, for us. And Brother Sizemore, I too wanted a Who Day, Rhymes with New Day sequel. We wanted part two. We had a whole series. Amen. Back to back to back messages. But alas, this was not how it should turn out. So 
I, uh, I, I want to concentrate our attention a little bit on the fact that there was more to this season than just what we experienced as people who would, who would prefer the Bengals be in the Super Bowl. We'd prefer them walking away with the Super Bowl trophy. And, and, and yet, there, there were a lot of things that happened in this last season. And, and in every season, there are like big stories that take place in a given season. There's a lot of drama. There's up and down. There's roller coasters. There's highs. And there are lows. And, and there are stories that dominate the headlines. And this past year in the NFL, it was no different. There are a number of stories that have occurred and are and that, that truly did kind of steal the show uh, throughout the season. And I want to just reference a few of those because we're talking about the most important story of the season. So you kind of have to know what some of the stories were to know where they ranked and where the most important emerges. But, but one of the stories that, that started the season was the story of Tom Brady retiring. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, a.k.a. in several of our Super Bowl sermons, the Antichrist. And uh, he just, uh, actually, he was, he was part of the Patriots, and the Patriots were the children of Israel in several of our sermons, so he was actually the protagonist in many of our sermons, which was like, which was very difficult for me being a lifelong Colts fan, Brother Bertrand, a, a Colts fan. I was not, I didn't enjoy making Brady the protagonist in our Super Bowl sermons, so, but the Patriots won all the time, and and, and we know who the real champion is, so when you're creating a parallel, the, the champion carries a lot of weight. And when Tom Brady moved from the Patriots, it was on after that. Now, we don't have to make him the protagonist. He was the antagonist forevermore, the anti-Christ symbol. And, and, but he retired, and when he retired, he... Uh, he just, I mean, it really kind of shocked everybody because he was 44 when he retired. And 44 is extremely young. It's very young. Now, we were shocked. I mean, my goodness, you're just getting started at 44. My goodness, what in the world? Why, why throw in the towel at such a young age? But... He did, and he, he, he retired at 44, except that he didn't retire at 44. Just 40 days later, he was right back in uniform and was leading the charge in Tampa Bay, and it was a big story. And, and it, throughout that period of 40 days in retirement, he just said, I got the itch to play, and he kept track of everything the Buccaneers were doing. He was helping to, to kind of navigate and negotiate some of the off-season moves, and, and he, he started playing again, and now he actually did really retire. We'll see how long it lasts, and I think probably it, it will because it, he, he, he said he was serious this time, and so he retired. And that's a, big, that's a big story. Another big story is on the opposite end of the spectrum, another Bay Area, the San Francisco 49ers. This time, somebody even younger than 44, an upstart quarterback who was the third string quarterback. His name was Brock Purdy. I wanted, I kind of wanted the 49ers to get in there so I could preach about Brother Purdy. Because <laughs> we love Brother Purdy here at Tree of Life Church. <laughs> Amen. 
and, and he's a winner and he's, he's leading the charge and, and teaching our children and children's ministry and he's doing a great job. And so we love the Purdy's. I really wanted to preach about Brother Purdy, but unlike our Brother Purdy, who is extremely relevant, this Brother Purdy had a nickname in college coming out of college and being drafted. And I mean, he was, he was low, 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 low on the, on the list. He was the third string quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers and he had the nickname Mr. Irrelevant. And when one quarterback went down and, uh, and then another quarterback went down, they brought in Brock Purdy and he led the 49ers to six straight winning games, taking them into the playoffs and leading the charge up until the very end when he was injured and, and he had to go out of the game. He tore his UCL. It's going to be a terrible injury to recover from, but they're hoping for the best. But that was a big story. This past season, we're talking about the most important story of the season. Another great story that I personally loved was this, you know, this is the last year that the head groundskeeper for the Super Bowl is going to be doing the job. He has been keeping the ground and overseeing and tending to the grass for every Super Bowl since the very beginning of Super Bowls for 57 years George Toma has been the head groundskeeper. He's 94 years old, and they call him, are you ready? The Sod Father. <laughs> and the Sod Father has overseen every grounds of Super Bowl turf since the very beginning. He was also the head groundskeeper at the Los Angeles Olympics in 1984, the Atlanta Olympics in 1996. Anytime the Olympics came to America, he was the head groundskeeper and he was a legend. And this is his, his final year, which is very sad, which is very sad. And so there are a lot of different storylines in 2022 coming into 2023, not to mention the games and the plays, the games. There were several games that were, that were momentous. And speaking of the Indianapolis Colts, they had a lot of drama surrounding their head coach. Jeff Saturday was the center for Peyton Manning for all those years. And he was hired on as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. It caused a lot of controversy. Fans wanted him, but a lot of people didn't think he was ready for the job. He opened up a first half lead against the Minnesota Vikings, 33 to zero. That's, you basically have the game in the bag at 33 to zero, but they lost that game in the second half, 39 to 36 in overtime. It was a, a disaster of a game, and, and it, was, it, was that, it was that way a few times. The Jaguars, Brother Ethan, I, I felt so sad for you when the Chargers and the Jaguars were playing in the playoffs, no less, and the Chargers had a 27-0 lead only to lose the game 31-30, and it was, it was a devastating loss for the Chargers and the Jaguars were able to move on and advance. And it was, a, it was a big story in the season. Even for us Cincinnati Bengal fans, we had a big story in our, in our playoff run that we 
there, there were several stories. One was that the Baltimore Ravens, we had to play them in the wild card game and they knew us and we know them and we couldn't trick them out. We just had to beat them. And we did beat them by the way, but it wasn't without its drama. I mean, in every season, there's going to be a lot of drama. And in every game like that, there's going to be a lot of drama. And, and the, the, the Bengals and the Ravens came down to the very end. They were going to win the game until our defense stopped them at the goal line. And like, it looked like they blocked a shot. And Sam Hubbard, who graduated from high school just under two miles away from this campus, he grabbed that ball and, and broke an NFL record in the playoffs by running it back 98 yards, scoring the touchdown that put the Bengals in the lead to win the game. It was, there was a lot of drama in that game. And then when we played the Kansas City Thieves, I mean Chiefs, <laughs> that game had a ton of drama in it. And, and you know, we love to have a do-over, but, but it's not third down and we're not the Kansas City Chiefs, so we don't get as many do-overs as we want. You know, you know how it goes. So it just is what it is. And, and the, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and I'm not bitter. I'm telling you, I'm not bitter. The Kansas City Chiefs won that game and they did it fair and square. And, and you know, it just is what it is and you got to live with it. But there's a lot of drama surrounding that game and how it all turned out. And not to mention the fourth and six, four down, six yards and a 44-yard bomb from Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. It was an unbelievable play. Highs and lows, not just in the season, but in the very games themselves. But, but all of these things, and we could go on. We could talk about Sean Payton, a coach being traded. Only happened three times in NFL history, and this was the third time as a coach traded to the Denver Broncos to be their coach. A lot of different interesting storylines, but none of them qualify as the most important story of this season because the most important story of this season had nothing to do with the rules and regulations of NFL football. The most important story of this season had nothing to do with stats and figures and breaking records. It had nothing to do with trophies. It had nothing to do with overtime wins. It had nothing to do with fourth down. It had nothing to do with high-pressured win or loss situations. No, the, the most important story of this season was about life and death. And it's when a young man by the name of DeMar Hamlin was playing right here in the center of Cincinnati at Paycor Stadium for years known as Paul Brown Stadium. And DeMar Hamlin came in for a tackle of our T. Higgins, our wide receiver, and he hit him and took him down. And it was, it was like a, a normal situation. And, and then when, when DeMar stood up, he took two steps back and everything seemed fine, but he collapsed on the field. And I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, but, but it was a terrifying moment for our city and for our nation and for the world. As, as on live uh, television, the, the world looked in and saw that there was a possibility for a few moments. We didn't know whether the young man lived or the young man was passing away right there in front of everybody. And all of a sudden... It didn't matter who won or lost that game. All of a sudden, it didn't matter who was going to the playoffs or what seed you had when you went into the playoffs. In just a moment's time, it, 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 all the priorities shifted 
And, and, and everybody began to look at, at football through a different prism and perspective. And they realized that at the end of the day, there are some things that just don't matter as much as other things. And the world watched in awe as both teams who just a moment ago were hyped up about taking each other all the way down, gathered together in the middle of the field and and began to pray together that this young man would be healed. And not just teammates and team players and opponents from both sides of the team but sportscasters on air began to pray to God that this young man would be healed that he would be protected and we saw what can happen when the world is faced with matters of life and death when the world realizes That games are fun, but this isn't all about a game. That life is not a game, and death is not a game, and eternity is not a game. And some things matter more than other things. And all at once, the the game came to a complete halt, and it wasn't postponed. It wasn't rescheduled. It just simply didn't happen. And they said, and, and folks, that was an important game in terms of the playoff picture. But they said, it's not as important as what just happened on this field. They took DeMar Hamlin to the University of Cincinnati Hospital, a hospital that we are well accustomed to. And when they took him to that hospital, I began to think and remember, Brother Jared, Sister Tiffany, that those hallways and those waiting rooms have been covered by intercessory prayer. Yes, they have. They've been covered by intercessory prayer. Brother Jared, could you just stand and wave your hand there for everybody to see? He was in that hospital, and they gave him no hope. And they said that he would die, and then they said if by some miracle he does live, he will never be the same, and he would be in a vegetative state. I'm glad to tell you that was 2009. This is 2023. He's alive and well and worshiping God, married with two beautiful children, University of Cincinnati. Our God is a healer. Our God is a deliverer. Our God is a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer of every disease. He's a healer of every heart. He's a healer of every relationship. He's a healer of all brokenness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Brother Enos, you went into that hospital. And they said that your carotid artery had an 80% blockage, which is where the strokes came from. But when you went into that hospital and the prayers of the saints went up before the Lord, the doctor came in and said, I don't know how to explain this. It was 80% yesterday. It's 20% today. Listen, I'll try to explain it. God is a good God. He's on the throne and he has the power. When I saw them take DeMar into that hospital, I said, Lord, let those prayers that have already been prayed in that hospital move upon that young man and let there be a healing and let there be a deliverance. I'm glad to tell you a week later, he walked out 
of that hospital, went back to Buffalo, New York. They put him in a hospital in there and said, we don't need to keep him. Something's happened. They asked Damar about it, and he said the prayers did it. He said, I thank God for the medical team. I thank God for the medical staff. They were amazing. And I thank God for every person that prayed for me because the prayers have made a difference. The doctors said he's moving along at a faster rate than you would expect from this kind of a situation. That's the most important story of the NFL season. It's more important than, than stats. It's more important than wins. It's, it's more important than playoff standings. It's, it's more important. Life and death, eternity is more important than anything. <laughs> hallelujah. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Oh, hallelujah. And, and, and so we watched as a young man was in a situation where the whole world waited with bated breath for an hour to know whether he was alive or whether he, was, he had passed away. And it was a shocking moment and the whole nation came to a place of prayer. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, God is going to move upon our nation. I, listen, I know, I know, I, 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 t- I pay attention to the same stuff you do. I know our nation is in need of God, but the church should not run and hide during this moment. This is the most important moment. This is our day. This is our hour to step up and stand out, to pray. Hallelujah. To show the love of God, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to pray and fast until heaven moves. Hallelujah. To shake the foundations of hell itself and let the world know Jesus is the answer and the blood still has the power and the Holy Ghost is for everybody. Hallelujah. And he can bring you out whatever despair you are facing this passage of scripture that we have read is about a young man by the name of Joseph and like this season there were a lot of highs and lows a lot of drama in his life a lot of drama and a lot of trauma you got to know that this young man started his life with a lot of promise with big dreams with ambition and, and the dreams that he had, they came from the Lord. And the dreams had to do with, with where the Lord was going to take him. And he saw himself kind of exalted above other people. And, and while that was going to be true, it, it, it was not something that he should be proud of or aspire to. You see, if you are familiar with the story of Joseph, and I'm going to run through it here in a moment, but, but Joseph went through a lot in his life. And I'm going to tell you what that was all about. It's because in order to have that kind of destiny, it can't be about you. So Joseph was very prominent in his dreams and God was going to use him in a prominent way. But in order for Joseph to get to that place and get there with a good spirit intact, God had to take the Josephness out of the dream. 
Hallelujah. If you're going through something and you can't explain it and you didn't do it, it listen, be patient and hold on. Stand still and let God be God. Turn your heart to the Lord. God's just stripping you from where he's taking you. Because when you get where you're going, it doesn't need to be about you being superior to other people. It needs to be about you helping other people. It doesn't need to be about you being better than everybody. It means you being a servant to everybody. And Joseph, in his dreams, he saw himself and he was elevated. And, and, and all of his brothers were, were bowing to him. And he was a sheath that was exalted. And he was, a, he was a, uh, a star that was bright and shining. And he told the dreams and the dreams didn't go over well. His brothers betrayed him. He went from being a dreamer of dreams and uh, excited about life, eager to live it all out and let it all unfold. And now all of a sudden he had a collision that changed everything. And the collision happened when his brothers, their envy and their feelings of, of hate toward him collided with his own dreams of destiny. And, and when that happened, he was sold into slavery. They threw him into a pit. Some wanted him to stay there and die. Others said, let's sell him into slavery. And they sold him into slavery. You talk about trauma. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers, the people who should have loved him. And, and while he's in slavery, his brothers are, are tearing the coat that his father made for him and painting it with blood so as to appear that he was killed by a wild animal. And they took that coat back to their father as evidence that he was killed by a wild animal and the father lived the rest of his life believing that Joseph was dead and 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 he was not dead he was in slavery and it does, I mean you talk about highs and lows he went from the dreamer of dreams child of destiny to being a slave on the auction block and sold into Potiphar's house but when he got into Potiphar's house man God started blessing everything that he touched. Everything that he did, God began to bless it and began to prosper it. And I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter where life takes you when you're anointed of the Holy Ghost. Everything you touch. Ah, this is why we should not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you sow to the Spirit, you shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. But if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap of the flesh corruption. And Joseph is, I mean, everything, he, he is accelerating and elevating. And, and the favor of God that is upon him just pushes him to the very top. And, and in Potiphar's house, he becomes the governor of his house trusted with with all things pertaining to Potiphar's livelihood to the point that Potiphar's wife developed feelings for him tried to woo him and he being a righteous man said I cannot do this great wickedness before God he ran she falsely accused him of impropriety and based on that false accusation he was cast into prison again going from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and for years he sat in that prison a totally destitute and there because of a false accusation and while he lay in destitution in the prison the butler and the baker come to the prison that he's in. They had been the chief butler and chief baker of Pharaoh's house. And while they're there talking to him about dreams they've dreamt, Joseph has, has gone from a dreamer of dreams to an interpreter of dreams. 
And that's what the trials of life will do for you if you let them. It'll take you from just being able to see the end result to actually understanding what God is doing here. He had some time to think about it and be alone with God. And he, he began to understand, hey, I'm not, in this, I'm not in this to be miserable. God isn't done with me, yet there's something at work here. I want somebody to know today in your life there's something at work here. I don't know what you're going through. I know what some of you are going through. And I can tell you in Jesus' name, there's something at work that is deeper and greater than anything you could imagine. Don't, don't backslide. Don't throw in the towel. Don't turn your back on God. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Stay in the fight. Stay in the race. Endure. Hallelujah. It's time to endure whatever it is that you're facing because God has a plan for you. God has something in store for you. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If God has given you an understanding of where he wants to take you, don't you let the devil deceive you out of it. Don't you believe any lie of the accuser of the brethren. You are here on purpose. You're not here on accident. You're here because God has put his favor on you. Joseph said, I can interpret those dreams. I used to only be able to dream them now. I've been through some stuff. And I could interpret the dreams. And he interpreted the dreams. And when he interpreted the dreams, they came to pass, just as he said. But for two years, he languished in prison, waiting for somebody to remember that he was a great interpreter of dreams. And the day came, Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. Joseph interpreted the dream. I mean, highs and lows, drama and trauma. I mean, moments of jubilation and moments of great distress. This is what it was all about in the life of Joseph. He comes out of that prison. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams, both of them, says they're two, but they're one. They're about the same thing. He co comes out with this plan that's going to save all of Egypt, that's going to save the whole world from starvation. I don't think we understand the level to which God used the patriarch Joseph in Egypt. Now we know why he was in prison. Now we know why he was betrayed. Now we know why he went through what he went through. Because God was going to use him to save the whole world from starvation. A famine struck the world and nobody had any place to go to find sustenance. There was no food. There was dramatic and drastic food shortages all across the world. But for seven years, the Egyptians, based on Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams and Joseph's excellent administration and stewardship, they had been preparing for this moment for seven years. And they had storehouses with grain and corn put aside for the day in which the famine would come. And on that seventh year of plenty, here came the famine. And when the famine arrived, nobody in the world knew what to do except Joseph. Joseph opens up the storehouses. All of the grain, all of the corn is available to whosoever will. And people were coming from all over the world to Egypt because it was the only place that was prepared for this moment. And they weren't just prepared for themselves. They were prepared to feed anybody who was hungry. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Tree of Life, what we're doing here is not just about us getting what we need. God has anointed us to feed the hungry. My God. 
Let me tell you something. When you give to the numbers that I just put on the screen, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we're not just doing something that'll bless the people that walk into this building. We're doing something that's going to bless the people of this city and the people of this region and the people of this nation and the people of the world. God is using us to do a work for him that goes beyond anything we can ask or think. Joseph is going to feed the whole world. And some, the whole world arrives at Egypt's doorstep. And some of the ones who arrived were the very brothers who betrayed him. And they arrive and they have no clue. But the governor of Egypt to whom they're going to be speaking is the very brother they betrayed and thought was dead. But he's not dead. You might have seen him fall down on that field. You might have seen him be cast into that pit. You might have, you might have thought he was dead, but he's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. And Joseph, Joseph just stands to the forefront and, and, and there's a little back and forth and he's wrestling with some internal feelings and he's dealing with issues in his own mind and he weeps and he's broken. But at the end of the day, Genesis chapter 50, after Jacob has passed away, the brothers decided that Joseph has been kind to us, but he's been kind to us because our father was alive. And now that our father is dead, he will not be kind to us any longer. And so they came to him. They sent messengers. They didn't even come personally to him. They sent messengers for fear that he would kill them. And the messenger said, I'm coming on behalf of your brothers. And they're begging you for forgiveness. Now that your father is gone... They're afraid that you're going to execute vengeance upon them for the terrible things they did to you. And they are begging for your forgiveness and they want me to remind you that your father instructed you to forgive them before he passed. And that's big because Jacob had to forgive them too because Jacob was lied to them and lost years of relationship with his son because of their lies and deception. And he forgave them for it and he instructed Joseph to forgive them for it and when, when the man, messenger, brings the, 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 the plea to Joseph, Joseph stands there and listens. And when he hears what he's got to say, he weeps. He weeps. It brought back all that drama. It brought back all that trauma. Some things that were meant to be healed, it just, it just, it just kind of brought it to the forefront. And he said, listen, listen, listen. You tell my brothers, we're good. It's all good. I, I know there was a lot of drama. I know there were a lot of storylines in this season of our lives. There was the storyline of me being cast into the pit. There was a storyline of me telling all my dreams. There was the storyline of me in, 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 being elevated in Potiphar's house and being, being promoted to the, to the very top shelf, if you please, of, of Potiphar's leadership. And, and then there was the storyline of me being falsely accused. And then there was the storyline of me telling the butler and baker exactly what their dreams mean. And, and then, there, then I was forgotten. And then I was remembered. And then I was put forward. And then I came up with a plan. And then I opened the storehouse. And all of those were great stories. But the most important story of the season is this. A lot of people were saved. And you know what? 
If, 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 if people were saved, then I don't care if I was falsely accused. If people were saved, then it doesn't matter if I was cast into a pit. If people were saved, then it doesn't matter if I was lonely and broken and had to go through trials. If God had a plan to feed the hungry, then Lord, use me any way you need to use me. Tree of Life Church, that has to be our mindset and our mentality. Whatever we've got to do to reach the lost, we've got to be willing to do it. Whatever we've got to say, whatever we've got to preach, however long we have to pray, whatever plan we've got to come up with, everything pales in comparison to the great commission of reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. We, we've been through a lot of drama ourselves. We've been through a lot of trauma ourselves. I could go through the list. I could take you year by year just in the years that I've been in Cincinnati since 2005. And I can take you through the highs. And I can take you through the lows. And I can talk about when God gave us provision. And I can tell you about when we felt like we were under attack. And I can tell you when there were people who didn't understand. And there were moments where people needed healing. And there were challenges and sufferings and difficulties and blessings and there were highs and lows and moments that were great and moments that were difficult but but hear what I'm telling you at the end of the day this is the story we're going to tell that God moved on this city that God saved much people alive at the end of the day there are people my Damar Hamlin is a microcosm of what's happening in our city every single day. There are people in Cincinnati whose hearts are failing them for fear. They're happening right in the middle of our city. God didn't put us here to look pretty. Thank God for our beautiful new building. Thank God for it. But God didn't give us a pretty building so we could celebrate having a pretty building. God put us here to reach those whose hearts are failing them for fear. In the late 1920s, Brother Kurtz pastored on the corner of Walnut and McMicken. There was a little building there. It was three stories high. If you go there today, it's not three stories. It's only one story. One story. And, and, and the reason is because when Brother Kurtz was there, they had church on the main floor, and above them was the Sunday school classrooms, and on the third floor was the apartment where Brother and Sister Kurtz lived. And Brother Kurtz became terribly ill to the point that he was about to die. And the saints gathered together in that third story room and began to pray over Brother Kurtz that he would be healed. He had just started the church a few years prior. The church was just getting off the ground. And there, there were in this little three-story building, it was, a, it was a great big high when the church got going. But now they're in the place of despair as Brother Kurtz was fighting for his life. And he sat there in that bed dying when the saints began to pray that God would heal their pastor. And the Spirit of the Lord moved in that upper room. Hallelujah. And it moved so mightily that the moment he was healed of that sickness, the whole building was shaken. It was shaken and it was moved off of its foundation to the point that the top two stories had to be condemned. 
and they were scraped off the top of that building. So today, if you go down to that same location, there's only one story, and it's in a long line of row houses that are all three stories, three stories, three stories, three stories, one story. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There is only one story, and it's the most important story that we could ever tell. Hey, hey, hey. We could go around this room and you can talk about the drama and the trauma. We could go around this room and you could talk about your highs and your lows. But I'm going to tell you my story. Jesus saved me from the uttermost. He picked me up. He turned me around. He spoke into my spirit in the darkest of nights, in the moments of deepest despair. And his precious love surrounds me like a sea. Let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen blessed assurance Jesus is mine oh what a foretaste of glory divine heirs of salvation purchased of God born of his spirit bought with his blood this is my story this is my song and it's the most important story hallelujah Brother Brandon Jordan, you went down to Walnut McMicken and prayed in that area. You and Brother Tyreek Andrews, they were praying in that area because they heard this story. And they went down there to pray and they, they said, God, move on this area. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. They began to pray. As they were praying, they watched a man put a needle in his arm and fall to the ground. Literally overdosing right in front of their eyes. They ran, there was a police officer down the way. They ran to get a police officer. They got the EMTs and the paramedics. They began to pray for the man. And he was, he survived because they were there to catch the moment where he was about to lose his life. Let me tell you, the most important thing we'll ever do is being there to help people who are hurting, to help people who are in need. The most important, listen, I, listen, we've got more work to do on this campus. Yeah, we've got a little more work to do. We've got some stuff, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to reach the lost. It's to preach the gospel. It's to be there. It's to be there when the hearts are failing. It's to be there when the world is overdosing on their attempts at finding something to satisfy their soul. When the Apostle Paul looked at Mars Hill, the Bible says that he passed by, he beheld their devotions, and he saw, listen, he saw them worshiping every idol you can imagine. And that worship that they were involved with, that wasn't just little insignificant idol worship where they were bowing down to little idols. Those religious rituals of ancient days were debauched. They were horrifying. They were terrible what he was witnessing. We couldn't even talk about it. And, and, and if we would have been there, we would have ran from it. It would have been too hideous to even look upon. But when the Apostle Paul saw it, the Bible said, his spirit was moved when he saw that the whole city was given to idolatry. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Our nation is given to idolatry. 
our city is given to idolatry. This region is given to, and it's in its idols of all sorts. And I could go down the list and express it and explain it. But I'm going to tell you something. It's just tweeting our disfavor of it isn't going to do anything about it. Just posting our disapproval of it isn't going to do anything about it. We've got to get into the places where people are suffering. We've got to step onto the field. We've got to get where they're going down. We've got to get to where they're broken and where they're hurting. And we've got to forget about the wins and the losses and the playoff picture and what seed is who and what, what where am I in the playoff structure. And we've got to forget about all the things that matter to this world and we've got to think about the most important call of God upon us uh, it doesn't matter who wins the Super Bowl it matters who goes to heaven it's not about breaking records it's about breaking chains Lift your hands with me. Lift your hands and lift your voices with me all across this house. Hallelujah. 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 You can stand with me. Our musicians can come. You can stand with me. Let, me. let me ask you a question. If all the prayers you've prayed this past week came to pass, if every one of the prayers you prayed this past week, if they were answered, how many people would go to heaven? How many, how many people would be delivered? If all the things you asked God to do actually came to pass and he did them this past week, how much revival would our city have? I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer because I don't know what you've been praying, but you might know what you've been praying. God wants to elevate our prayers. Hallelujah. What, Brother Colbert, what if the Bible is true when it says you have not because you ask not? What, 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 Brother Derek White, what if the Bible is true when it says ask and it shall be given? Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door, it shall be opened unto you. I, I just, you know what, here's the thing. The Bible is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. We've got to elevate our prayers to match this moment. It's time. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to step onto the field. It's time to suit up and put the helmet of salvation on. It's time to put the breastplate of righteousness on and step out into the field. Oh. 
to tell you, I'm not talking about the football field. I'm talking about the harvest field. Oh, oh God. If we could see them by how their spirit is feeling at this moment. Don't let their presentation fool you. This is why I, I, I try to be somewhat patient with even arrogant people because I know the arrogance is just a shield. It's just a defense. They're broken on the inside. They're hurting on the inside. All the money in the world, it didn't help them. The drugs and the alcohol, it didn't help them. The illicit relationships, cheating on spouses, it didn't help them. All of the things that the world told them would be of help to them, it wasn't. And now what do you do? What do you do when you believe the lie? And you are devastated. I'll tell you what happens. Your heart breaks. It's time to step in. Come on, put your knee down and pray. Call upon the name of the Lord. We know how to resuscitate a broken heart. We know where to take them. Where prayers have been prayed. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. There are some of you that were anointed of God and you know you were anointed of God and you've walked away from it. You've walked away from it. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking very specifically right now. There are people in this house, you are anointed of God and you have walked away from it because your own heart was broken. God's going to heal you and you're going to testify of his goodness. I want somebody to lift their hands with me and lift their voices unto God. God's going to do some of the most important things he's ever done. <laughs> I want, I want, here's who I want. I want, I want two types of people to come right now. I want those with broken hearts and broken dreams. I want you to come. And I want people who know God wants to use you in a mighty way. I want you to come right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I want you to come right now. You know God wants to use you. Your dreams have been shattered. Your hearts have been broken. There's an anointing of God on your life. It's more important than what you got in the bank account or what you don't have. It's more important than that promotion you're hoping for. It's more important. It's more important. People are dying in the center of our city. People are brokenhearted. Their hearts are failing. They've had collisions on the field right here in Cincinnati. Cardiac arrest, overdose, shattered dreams, broken lives. <laughs> this is why we're here. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. Thank God for our beautiful music that we're about to hear. But this is why we sing the songs of Zion. To bring healing. To lift faith. Come on, 
that's it. That's it all across this house. Cry out unto the Lord. Cry out unto the Lord. Something's happening, something's happening, something's happening. Something's happening. Let it happen to you. Let it happen in your spirit right now. Lord, when you turn from your 
your sins, that's called repentance. <laughs> if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we've got the water ready. We'll baptize you today in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. God's doing something in this house. He's doing something deep. He's doing something powerful. He's doing something mighty in our midst. Come on, that's it all across this house. Lift up your voice unto him. That's it. Lift up your voice unto him. Hallelujah. If you've got somebody you want to pray for, call their name out in prayer. That's what we're here for. That's the most important thing you can do. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. it. All across this house. There's power in this place. There's power in this place. The Holy Ghost is in this place. 